0: Hi again, hello, I'm back with another topic. I'm realizing maybe I should be formally introducing myself, like taking myself a little more seriously, but anyway, totally off topic. I'm just going to touch on that briefly in a moment, taking myself seriously. But today's topic is about the survivalist prepper identity, I guess, or way of life, versus the quote, air quotes, shamanic way of life. So I'm going to be comparing and contrasting in the context of, of today, of what we're dealing with as far as climate collapse and civilization collapse. And I'm going to keep it light. Like I just said, I'm not going to take myself or anyone else who talks about this stuff too seriously. This is a topic of life and death, of cataclysm, of destruction, hard, heavy topics, for sure. But I found, and this is a limited perspective, but I'm just going to give it anyway, that getting super serious about myself around this type of thing, and getting super serious about what's in my head, my ideas about it, makes it really hard to see bigger picture stuff, to zoom out, and see the bigger picture. Like we get so wrapped up in our heads analyzing. And it also makes it really hard to see the details. So zooming into details and zooming out to big picture, like I don't have that flexibility when I get really serious about certain things, especially topics of spirituality in the midst of cataclysm or upheaval, life and death. So anyway, right now, with this topic today. I'm gonna speak from personal experience. I'm gonna go a little bit deeper into stuff I've alluded to in other recordings and maybe in some of my blogs. Personal experience around end times preppers, end times rapture, prepping, um, yeah. And I'm just gonna speak about a personal experience with that that I had as a kid. And the impression that it left me with then really feeling into it remembering it in my body having some memories coming up and knowing that i need to be speaking about this boldly and also not taking myself seriously so back in the day my father remarried and my stepmother had been i didn't it didn't make sense at the time but of course now Looking back, it makes more sense. But, and it was so normal, it was just life. It was just mundane life happening. But now I can see just how intense and hardcore it was. But my stepmother had been deeply involved in and brainwashed. She didn't use those words, but but that's the process of it. Into like a cult-style rapture end times militia and they had a pastor who was their leader my stepmom's best friend was married to the pastor leader i believe i think i'm remembering that correctly and they were still best friends after they left the cult and they had like actual land that they had purchased and they were building community there of end times born again fundamentalist Christians they were doing military drills they were learning hunting bow hunting they were learning rifle shooting and other military tactics Um, and that was all basically part of the structure of being a cult rapture end times militia (laughs) is that you're not just looking at the spiritual aspect of it like Jesus returning and the tribulation and whatnot but the political government aspects of it where these are groups that are learning how to fight the government that they, and of course, there's so much political stuff involved in religious end times, militia, cult type stuff, <laughs> not being very clear here. There's a lot of hard right themes, a lot of not just moderately conservative but like hard right. and this is back in the 90s y'all. So if you're seeing stuff out there in the in the current social media sphere and whatnot, this is all really familiar to me. This is all regurgitated, reworked and resold. This is stuff that was that people were into in the 80s and 90s. like none of it is new. <laughs> okay. Um, and there was a lot of political stuff involved in this militia having to do with the government that they knew or believed were going to kill the born again Christians that they were like this tribe of born again Christians because of like antichrist shenanigans. And the antichrist for them is always Democrat. It's always like, you know, um, a (laughs) liberal and lots of other of those hard right political themes intermixed with all the religious and spiritual stuff. So anyway, my stepmom and her best friend got free. I don't know the details around that. I don't know what drove them to leave the group, but, and they didn't use these words, but they had to to mentally detox. They had complex trauma. It was a a complexly traumatizing situation, of course, because it's always going to be, period, full stop. Okay, it just is. And they were still into hardcore born-again Christianity, like performing exorcisms and stuff like that, of which I, I actually underwent exorcisms, but anyway, totally different story. But it was definitely my, my, my stepmom and her best friend were several steps removed from that level of fundamentalism, that level of cult militia style. And they were definitely more stable and grounded, of course, compared to the rest of the population still looney tunes about certain things, for sure. And I realize now that their complex trauma was very much projected onto me and and the the cycles were repeating that they hadn't really addressed the nervous system level, the neurobiological level of, of trauma and Christianity cannot on its own, no religion, no spirituality making a point here cannot on its own address the neurobiological realities of trauma and that is a a a really important topic i've sort of touched on and i would say that this process of answering my calling the the spiritual aspects of it also are so intense in some way that they do address that neurobiological hardwiring around trauma and can reset for lack of another word the nervous system stuff that arises the rituals and and cleansings and initiations and stuff like that very much it's it's potent medicine for that and any traditional healer worth their salt is going to recommend to people if that's what comes up if that's what's right for them to go to therapy to go to a trauma-informed therapist to do that really important work of of mending and restoring nervous system health so anyway they hadn't really addressed that but they were moving away from their trauma and this is just a little bit more detail of how hardcore and deep this malicious stuff went I was there with them while they were clearing out some of the stuff that they had accumulated in the militia, the the canning that they did. They were doing um, this all old-school pre-industrial farmer folk lifestyle that typically goes along with this kind of end times prepper, cult-style stuff. You learn canning, you learn how to make your own clothes. They had camouflage, dyed underwear, like tie-dyed, camouflage, underwear, and clothes, along with all the other prepper stuff, the canning, and, and learning how to bow hunt, and all the things, um, because they were absolutely certain that they were going to have to live this way to fight against the government and the Antichrist and all of that, um, and I remember so clearly in my body maybe my memory's a little fuzzy but how i felt being around that stuff end times militia community stuff it was thrilling it was thrilling not just for the certainty and the sense of safety and control that it offered or belonging belonging to an in-group that knew, like, quote, knew the real truth of what's really going on. That's thrilling. That's sexy and addictive. And it's also totally normal for humans to seek this stuff out. It's, you know, it results in pathological stuff, but but the drive itself is completely normal. But it wasn't just sexy and thrilling and addictive because of that. It... it it was also there was an edge of scariness and i felt that pit of dread and fear always all the time that's not healthy especially for kids going through formative phases like <laughs> that's complexly traumatizing too but it was thrilling and exciting because especially because it was going off grid away from the sheltering wings of society it was rejecting the rules the identities of Western civilization and returning to the old ways of life the farmer folk or pre-industrial ways of life and there is a real craving more and more and more a real craving within people driving them whether they're conscious of it or not moving them driving them to return and restore the old ways of living, the old ways of being, what some might call like rewilding, the rewilding trend, which also is its own topic and deserves its own careful consideration. Because rewilding, when you see that word or you see certain content, you can immediately have this knee-jerk response of that's super douchey, like that's that's like a CrossFit douchery, survivalist prepper kind of thing, which of course I've had that knee-jerk judgment as well. It's really worth exploring more deeply though um one thing i want to address for skeptics of collapse of which i have also been a skeptic of collapse and i continue to hold that skeptic point of view um with everything i hold like i keep my skeptic sharp that part of me that skeptical part it's a really helpful skill especially in these times skepticism. It is not anti-spiritual. It is not resisting spirit. It is not doubting. It is, it, it doesn't have to be. Anyway, again, its own topic. But for skeptics of collapse, one thing, one criticism that they often have, which I have also had and continue to have a little bit, is they say, you know, with these people, with these end times people, whatever school of thought they're in, they've been saying that it's the end forever. Whoever, whatever scenario, whether it's Jesus returning or the, or the near term human extinction, blah, 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 blah. They've been saying that stuff forever and we're still here. So I really just want to clarify, I am not deterministic i don't pretend to know anything for sure with however stuff unfolds on planet earth for each of us individually or collectively and there are so many highly confident experts teachers scholars they are highly confident even people i listen to or admire their work have consumed their work who are just way too confident and way too certain and it's ironic that these are people who are talking about the stuff that brought humans to this point this point in time of overshoot collapse etc and the whole time they're talking about this stuff they're fully embodying still that paradigm that got us here Namely hubris and human certainty and human centered certainty. That we know all there is to know because of science. We know all there is to know because of religious beliefs. We know all there is to know because of political beliefs. And while they're they're raising valid, legit points, stuff that's unfolding right now, And the stuff that's unfolding right now is 100% certain to continue to progress. However, specific timeframes, specific events, no one should claim certainty. And there's so many people who do, and they shouldn't claim certainty because they might or might not be wrong. It's not about that. It's about who they are being and what they are embodying. Are they still douchebags? Who haven't actually quote shifted their inner paradigm are they still showing up as who got us here that's like the irking point for me okay so that brings me to my next point i saw a commercial i think it was on youtube for a survival prepper company that has like a i mean maybe the footage was was shenanigans but it looked like they had a huge factory <laughs> manufacturing thousands upon thousands of boxes of products of food and gear and other items for preppers, like this, this whole big company. And I want to say right now that the survivalist prepper way of life, it's not going to work because it's not sustainable and it's not realistic. <sighs> What do you mean? Okay, let me just break this down a little bit. And remember, I don't know everything. I don't want to know everything. I love the mystery. I'm going to let the mystery be. That's a good song. Iris Mint, Let the Mystery Be. Listen to it. Put it on repeat. I sure have. Anyway, it's not sustainable because the true preppers, like the people that I have been really privileged and fortunate enough to become aware of, these are the people who are actual leaders in that space of adaptation to collapse, overshoot collapse, ecological and political collapse. The legit leaders who I've observed in in what could be considered a prepper space, they don't have followers. They don't have the loud, noisy, shiny stuff that people pay attention to. They live on the down low, more so. And they are humble and compassionate. They are not based in a me versus you, us versus them, a D-bag, hyper-masculine, or hyper-anti-government, or hyper-conspiracy theory, or any other group. In fact, these people, and I only know of several, like a handful, a few, I have no idea what their political or religious affiliation is i don't know what their beliefs are i don't know who they vote for they don't talk about that that has been the most stunning thing for me to unlearn the conditioning that i've had around fake leadership what we are raised to believe is leadership especially in times of crisis versus actual effective leadership especially Leadership that is flexible, resilient, and adaptable, which is true leadership. Looking at current context of our modern lives and where we're at now and adjusting and adjusting to seeing the levels of authoritarianistic abuse and people blindly following charismatic cult-style shenanigans. And these are people who know that when it comes to actual survival, short-term and long-term, seeking that kind of certainty, that kind of leadership of authoritarianism, charismatic cult style, that actually is a surefire way to ensure you don't actually survive whatever's coming. That kind of attitude, it might work for a little while for some people, I think that's more luck than anything, than skill. It's not gonna work. Prepper life isn't sustainable because it isn't based in the cooperative, interconnected paradigm of nature. It's me-centered, it's selfish, it's anthropocentric. It's the paradigm that got us into this mess in the first place. But every legit teacher or leader of adaptation to cataclysm, to climate-based or politically-based collapse that I have found is embodying what you could call, if you're just being mindful and not just tossing it out as a trendy word, but you could call it an indigenous paradigm of cooperation and interconnection, which is ultimately a paradigm of humility. Plenty of people could argue, well, no one cares when you're trying to survive. You're not gonna care about philosophy or spirituality or your inner paradigm you're gonna do the right thing that you're you're gonna you're gonna need to access resources for you and your family that's all you're gonna care about in the moment and yes like i said that's the belief system that got us here to a degree but yeah there's truth to that too but it's a partially true slice of the big picture. It's partially true slice. It's a narrative slice. So yeah, having supplies and some basic prepper skills of hunting or defending yourself and your family can be useful for a while. But it's going to be a short term approach to collapse or climate collapse or civilizational collapse, because that perspective isn't realistic. One reason why it isn't realistic is because climate change, just talking about climate right now, is abrupt and it's exponential. That means it's abrupt because of the exponential buildup. And I could, I guess, try to explain the difference between exponential change versus linear and incremental. We tend to believe that everything in life follows a linear and incremental progress of change but when it comes to the complex systems interconnected systems of planet earth it's much more of an exponential and i don't want to like try to explain the mathematic concept of exponential change but there are youtube videos about what does that mean and i really encourage people to learn more about the difference between incremental and exponential change but like theoretically and even now like what we're seeing right now we're not as a collective species species going to be on a trajectory that a trajectory as a collective species on planet earth that goes from reeling from crisis to crisis with some sort of return to normalcy eventually there's not going to be a return to normal. Each crisis will either slowly, like a, like a, a gradual descent over time. However, it's still exponential, but like an exponential gradual descent over time. I've read some things about that. It, it's, it's a trajectory regardless of how fast it goes or, or how things actually play out. It's devolving. And it's going to continue to devolve into the next crisis. So from one crisis into the next, into the next, there's not going to be like an upward, incremental climb towards normalcy or utopia where everything is fixed. It's a, from crisis to crisis, as it like descends down, you're you're going to be going from crisis to crisis that devolves, not what we consider um, perpetual progress endlessly uh progressing better and being better and becoming better it's not how it's gonna play out so from like crisis to crisis there there can be time in between to catch your breath and if you're like a prepper type of person to restock and prep some more and then the next crisis comes It's going to go faster and faster, like labor pains. There's going to be less and less time in between scenarios and situations. It's, it's the new normal. So if you have this survivalist prepper paradigm belief that, that that's how things unfold, that's not realistic. That's not how they're almost certainly gonna progress. So rather than remaining stuck in a paradigm that not only continues the cycles of human-centered anthropocentric earth destruction, which I know, like I said before, people could criticize as a lofty, idealistic approach, it, it's also about learning your land. Because if you're reeling from crisis to crisis expecting things to somehow improve or return to normal, you're missing out what's right in front of your face and under your feet. You got to learn your land and you might be going towards some, some people are moving towards like relearning or requiring primitive, what could be called primitive skills, uh, pre-industrial skills, Neo Aboriginal. I don't really like any of those terms. Um, but going to the skills with the goal of being able to survive. But here's the thing when you start to learn your land even if it's with the goal of just being selfish and wanting to take care of yourself not everyone but i would say a lot of people will organically or naturally have an inward paradigm shift that kind of lifestyle of learning your land and working with the land can and will become for some people for many people, a, like a, a natural side effect, a natural expression of your inner relationship to nature and life. So this is what I'm talking about with a, a quote shamanic way of life. You can start off with some of those pre-industrial or primitive skills of learning how to forage, for example. That's actually kind of my own area these last several years that I've really gotten into, but I've been branching out from that, from just foraging food and and making medicine into tracking. That's another skill I've been exploring. Um, But learning and practicing those skills, I move, I decondition from, or I detox, whatever you want to call it, from just doing it because I want to be able to provide for myself in times of crisis. I naturally fall deeper in love with the land, and the connection just grows stronger. Naturally, like I'm not even forcing it to happen. Just doing this stuff, just by doing this stuff, just by learning about foraging and going and, and making things. I it just, it just happens. It's just a side effect. That's the shamanic way of life, and I do want to be careful about that word, shamanism, shamanic. It it has been co-opted and twisted a bit and marketed Um, but I'm not really talking necessarily about the spiritual stuff aspect of it. Um, I'm not just talking about people who are called to heal or become what some people call shamans. Um, I'm talking about really the hunter forager way of life and from that perspective anyone can grow and develop a relationship with the land. That begins to inform them about how to do stuff in these times of collapse. So, you can have skills and you can, you know, be like into bushcraft and whatnot. But a lot of people could quickly find that nature, that spirit, spirit of nature, the plants, the animals, are communicating. And this is where the the shamanism stuff comes in for everyone. Nature is spirit and spirit is nature. And it's communicating with us in so many ways. And nature slash spirit will tell you not so much mentally and analytically, but in so many other ways, especially through dreams, especially through dreams not just for spiritually gifted people but for anyone anyone can be guided through dreams and the land and the spirits of the land and the ancestors the elevated ancestors of the land will show you through dreams to certain foods medicines hunting how to hunt like old school hunter forager culture which was basically generally speaking this is a very general statement. It was shamanic um, and, it, and it, it didn't have an organized civilization. So hunter-forager culture. Please excuse my lack of nuance, complexity, or scholarship, okay? Just playing around with ideas, like I said, not taking it myself or any of this too seriously. All of us descend from hunter-forager ancestors. And that's who we were and how we were for millennia, many millennia. So it's very strong wiring in our bodies and our brains, all of us, we were that way for much longer than we've been modern. So our hardware is very well developed for a hunter forager lifestyle. So yeah, Because of our conditioning as modern people, we're going to see the land as our personal Walmart right off the bat. That's just how it's going to be to like, try to shift your, your lifestyle from reliance on, on, on Western consumer way of being to returning to the land. You're not going to be able to get rid of that paradigm or mentality overnight you're going to start to start off by seeing the land as just another type of walmart you're going to shift your consuming from grocery stores and and other marketplaces because of collapse to the land and you're going to see the land as as another marketplace it's a heavy conditioning and it takes time you're not going to be an earth mama woo woo fairy clean right off the bat. You're not gonna feel always connections and you're not gonna hear things clearly. It's a process and that's what a relationship is. But I would say this is this is this is really the point here. Staying stuck in that conditioning as a consumer, it won't work. Survivalist preppers, I don't know, how, how often it is. Maybe, maybe it's more common than I, than I realize where they, they are actually challenging their inner paradigm. That paradigm isn't going to work. And here's why. If you really want to be a survivalist prepper who lives off the land, you find real quick, nature changes a lot. There is nothing you can control beyond a very limited certain degree. It changes a lot, seasons, events, weather, harvests, what produces and what doesn't from season to season, drought, fires, earthquakes, floods, tsunamis. You constantly have to be aware of the shifts and changes and tend to it tend to the constant shifting and the only way that someone can remain aware and, and fluid in their tending to all those changes and shifts is by having an inner state, an inner state of being that is flexible, loose, and in flow. And the prepper mentality, generally speaking, and the consumer mentality, generally speaking, doesn't fit with nature because that's not how nature works. You and I, if we stay rigidly in those paradigms, are the odd man out, still trying to control scenarios and still trying to control nature to make it do what you want to make it do what I want. So yeah, skills, prepper skills, I'd say, let that stuff go. Instead, be open to the inner shift, to a true relationship with your land. The land will guide you in so many ways, even in dreams, especially in dreams, to different focuses that are actually going to support your life on earth, to food species, to, to water sources, to tracking, to animals. But in doing so, you will detox from the douchery of all of our conditioning. You will naturally rewild, not as a douchey trend, it's just gonna happen. You're gonna be flexible and truly adaptable and resilient because you are embodying how nature works, how community works, how interconnection works. You are becoming a part of the land again. Super cheesy. I think I'll end on that note. I had a little bit of another idea about like Hollywood and media portrayals of indigenous life ways and how like ridiculous the stereotypes and misinformation of course has been. But that there are some examples to, to look at. Um, I might just turn this into a blog and I will add all that stuff to the blog. So my puppy's here and she wants me to go outside. We've been doing this whole, like, chipmunk reconnaissance. (laughs) The chipmunks bully my dog. (laughs) She's so sad about it. Like, she lies there with her little pizza toy in her mouth (laughs) like she's gonna cry because the chippies were mean to me, Mom. Okay, I gotta go. Thanks for listening. Get out there. Get out in nature, please. And fall in love. Okay, bye. Thanks!